The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Psalm 119, verses 33 to 36. We're going to do, uh, this is probably going to be a three-parter um, when it comes to this section because there's a lot that's in here. So today we're just going to be dealing with a couple of verses, or four verses, um, verses 33 to 36, verse 33 to 36. Uh, while you're turning there, uh, a sign uh, in a textile mill is on the top for all the employees to see. And it said, when your thread becomes tangled, call the foreman. Uh, in big letters, all over so people could see. When your thread becomes tangled, call the foreman. And a young woman was new on, her, on the job. Her thread became tangled, and she thought, I'll just straighten this out myself. I don't want to bother the foreman or anybody. So she tried, but uh, she tried to get the tangles out. The situation only worsened. Finally, she called the foreman, and she said to him, I did the best that I could. And he said, no, you didn't. To do the best, you should have called me. Being dependent on others is not the way that's natural to fallen man. Being dependent is not a natural thing. I think in our culture today, being dependent on people uh, pretty much qualifies you as being a person who we would refer to as lame. Um, I think lame is actually more of an 80s term. I can't keep up with all the generational terms, but that's just the one that comes to mind. Just don't be lame. Just stop. Can you just be independent? Can you be proactive? Can you, can't you do these things on your own? Man, mankind, since the time in the garden, saw that independence was a good thing. Man saw independence that comes from the knowledge of good and evil was good for food and able to make one wise. So they saw independence is actually a good thing. Because then if we have the knowledge of good and evil, essentially what we're saying is we have the ability now. We know what's right. We can decide for ourselves what's right and what's wrong in our lives. We can decide what is right and wrong for ourselves. Therefore, we can decide what is right and wrong for our own lives. Therefore, we can decide what is right and wrong for our own destinies. But how is that working out for us? We do for ourselves what was intended to be done by the Lord. And in our lives, in our culture today, even in church culture, Jesus is sometimes the last resort instead of the first response. Interesting. Jesus is our last resort instead of our first response. We do things under our own power. We do things under our, with our own knowledge and, and the things that we have. We do these things, we go out, and then when we have problems and we can't get out of it, hey, church, we need to pray that God rescues us. Well, instead of Jesus being the last resort, shouldn't Jesus have been our first response? To say at the very beginning, we can't do this without you. This isn't happening without Christ. World, we go at it in our own strength, with worldly wisdom. And when we get to the place where we just cannot make it happen, then we finally go to the Lord in prayer. That's why there's that famous saying that says, prayer, the last resort of a scoundrel. 
We think that our lives are independent of God until we need him not to be. It's, it's almost in a, in a very deistic way. If you remember deism, it's like God basically spun the world, everything's good, and he just moved on to other things. He just left us. But it's almost today, it's almost like a deistic thing. Like, like God created everything, he set everything up, um, you guys are all good, he, spin, he spun it, he pressed it, you guys are all set, you guys are all good. I'm going to leave now, but if you guys need me, give me a call. It's almost that way. Or it's like we don't need God until we need God. And then that's the time we reach out. That's the time we want to uh, reach out to him so that we can move forward. But the reality of the Christian life is that we need God always. We were intended to need God always. We had to depend on God, not just once a week, not once a month, but we need God every single day. Beautifully illustrated when it came to how God fed the Israelites with manna from heaven. It was every day. You had to go out every day. It wasn't one of those things where you could store it up, could you? Couldn't store it up. Couldn't figure that that one out. We need God always, always in, in in all ways, at all time, for all time, we need God. We were not created to be independent of God. See, this is the thing that we've got to understand. We were not created to be independent. That's why when we try to be independent, it doesn't work out. It doesn't happen. Can't do it. Because that's not how we were created. So if you guys try to connect to the internet with a chair... probably not going to work out all that well, is it? And the reason for that is the chair was not created to connect you to the internet. Now, some of you guys may have a laptop and maybe you look at the laptop and be like, wow, that looks comfortable to sit on. So we sit on the laptop and they find out that it's actually not that comfortable. And then we wonder, why is the laptop not comfortable to sit on? Because the laptop wasn't created to be sat on. Human beings, we just don't seem to have a good time and we're just not able for us to be independent of God. We just can't do it. Well, do you know why we can't do it? Because we weren't created to be independent on God. That's not what we were created for. We need the Lord, and he will cause us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let's check it out. Psalm chapter 119, verses 33 to 36. Teach me your decrees, O Lord, and I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the paths of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than the love for money. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the grace 
that we are shown by you giving us your word. And I pray that you illumine our hearts so your word will penetrate our hearts today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to look at today is the wonderful thing to be taught by the Lord. The second thing is the gracious gift of God to give us understanding. The third thing we're going to explore is the desire for the Lord to make us walk in the paths of the Lord. And finally, we will see that wonderful act of God was done for us for life and for salvation. So our thesis statement uh, is this. Though sin in the pattern of this world causes us to yearn and thrive in independence, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the scriptures that will cause us to see that the ultimate place in life is to be in total dependence on Christ and in Christ alone. So point number one, he did this whole, this whole sermon, this, this whole section is about appealing to God for help. Appealing, appealing to God to help us in things. And the first thing he appeals to is he wants God to teach the posture of being teachable. One of the things in our culture that I'm finding more and more prevalent is the fact that many people are just not teachable anymore. You just can't. I mean, there's, there, there, there are people that sometimes I try to talk to, you try to counsel and all that stuff, and they just won't do what you teach them to do. <laughs> and they just, for some reason, know better. You know, it's just, it's just really funny. It's just like sometimes I just will try to explain some things to, to them and I'm just like, you know, hey, you know, we see in the Bible when it comes to these passages of scripture, we start talking about these kinds of things, they kind of look at you and their eyes glaze over. And it's like, so I'm guessing that you're not necessarily agreeing with how, uh, what I'm telling you at this. And it's like, oh, no, no, you know what? There's just, you know, I just, and the thing that's funny is people are okay to say, I don't know, and then find the answer on Google somewhere. So it's like, you know, hey, this is the way it is. And it's just like, well, I can't believe you. I'm not going to follow what you have to say until we leave here. I go get on my phone. I look it up on Google. And if Google says that it's okay, then I'll, then I'll listen. Okay. Uh, interesting, because a lot of times when you do Google with especially theological things, uh, you do get like 100 things that pop up on Google but it's just a hundred things that don't agree with each other, so which one are you going to pick? You know which ones people end up picking? The one they agree with and the one that they think that it should be. It's just, it's just really funny. Just the teachable uh, aspect is just really difficult. And so that's why when it comes to, to life and it comes to people's lives and all this stuff, if we cannot be teachable, then we're never going to learn anything. And if we never learn anything, then we're never going to progress. And that's the thing that's really hard. It's really hard. And, and, it's, and it's just funny because a lot of times in order for us to learn things, uh, we have to actually be okay to change our minds on things. You know what I mean? It's just like when, you, you know, when, when people will say things like, you know, hey, Shane, you know, I read in Google and say, hey, Shane, you know, one of the cures for, for diabetes is to eat more sugar. Now, I like that. If, if, you know, if a doctor says, and the doctor said, yeah, this is a medical practitioner, he is a doctor and all that stuff, and he says that, you know, that the best cure for diabetes is to continue to eat sugar. Amen. But 
there's going to be those that are going to say what are things and they're going to say that that's the worst thing you can do is continue to eat sugar. But the thing is, is in order for us to be teachable, we have to be prepared to change our minds. We have to be able to do that. And so even when it comes to, you know, when it comes to the doctor things, when it comes to medical things and all that stuff, it's just really, really bizarre just how how we are. You know, I remember one uh, one of my family members, I was telling them that, you know, when I was training for the, uh, was training for to do a triathlon in Hawaii, um, you know, I had some physical things that had happened and the doctors had made recommendations as to, you know, what I should eat, what I should not eat, all of this kind of stuff. And then one of my family members who is not a doctor, uh, who works in the hotel business, starts to tell me that, oh, no, 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 no. What you need to do is you need to do this, 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 and this. And I was just kind of like, yeah, but my doctor said that I need to do this. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 you don't do that. What you do is you do this, 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 and this. And then it was just, it just dawned on me as I'm driving away. So... You want me to not listen to my doctor and listen to you and do what you tell me to do and not listen to my doctor as to what I'm supposed to do in my training. And I remember he paused for a minute and he thought and he goes, yeah, I guess that's, that is what I'm telling you to do. My doctor, a doctor. You know, it's like that uh, the show Happy Gilmore. He's just like, well, what you need to do is you need to, you know, take some, he got hit by a car and then he goes, just take some time, rest, you know, and get some rest, lay down and all that kind of stuff. And he gets up and he goes, no, 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 I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And he goes, yeah, okay, fine. Do whatever you want to do. What do I know? I'm just a doctor. Teachable. Are we teachable today? And here's the thing when it comes to the thing, the ultimate thing is when it comes to being teachable, when it comes to the word of God, this is just the part that blows me away. It's one thing to not listen to your doctor. It's another thing to not listen to God. Man, and this is where it just gets scary. Does not matter what you say. Doesn't matter if you say it's, it, it's the same thing. Hey, you know what? This is what the Bible says. And the response is, well, that's just your interpretation. That's just what you think. Well, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. Yeah, that's just your interpretation. So you're going to kill that individual. Yeah, because I don't think that that's what the Bible is talking about. Oh, okay, so we misunderstood thou shalt not kill. We don't understand those types of things. So the the question today is this. Do we even want to be taught by the Lord today? This is what we see. This is what we find in the hey, kind of how you pronounce it, the hey comes from the back section of the psalm is a picture of one of the main principles of Christianity. One of the main principles of Christianity, it is called dependence on God. And what an amazing thing it is for us to be taught by God. In Job 36.22, Job 36.22, look, God is all powerful. Who is a teacher like him? Man, God is the ultimate teacher, isn't he? It is a declaration of the psalmist for the Lord to instruct, to direct, and to reveal to us the glories of the word of God. So the wonderful thing for us today, the thing that we have that the psalmist didn't have, is we have the complete 
the progression uh, revelation of God that we find in the Bible today. So we pray that God will teach us and God has given us all the things that he wants us to know and he's given us all that we need for life and godliness. God has given us the once and for all revelation through the son Jesus. And we pray to the Lord as we meditate on his word that he will transform us, change us, motivate us with his divine spark that comes from the power of his word. This is super this is super important for us. You know, I just I was just I just don't want us to 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 be revival chasers when we can when we realize that the Bible says that we can be revived by the word of God. You have everything you need for revival in your life. And we pray that God will continue to open up our hearts so that we can comprehend the revelation. The revelation is there. What we need is we need God to help us get through all the junk that we've got wrapped up in our minds that cause us to lose sight of what is clear. He is the great teacher. Now, this is really fascinating. I, I, did, a, I did a study. We, we, come, we did some analysis when it comes to uh, cultural anthropology as to how people will understand Scripture. You could take an individual who lives in America at a certain age and a certain demographic, get somebody who comes from another country, certain age, certain demographic, and yet another person from a different country, another, another gender, a woman from a different country, and you put them all together, and you have them read the same passage of Scripture, and you ask them what they think that that Scripture means, and oh my Lord, we don't read the Bible the same. We absolutely don't. Well, absolutely don't. The people will look at the scriptures and they see it differently because we will read the scripture as for my, my situation, a, a middle-aged, okay, I'm 50. I turned 50. Uh, uh, American, yet born in Hawaii with Japanese, traditional Japanese ancestry and heritage and upbringing. You know, so very, very Asian upbringing. You know, I used to get smacked in the hand with chopsticks. That's why when, you know, they ask me in Chinese restaurants now, you want fork or chopsticks? I'm, I'm fork. I, I'm traumatized with chopsticks now, you know? <laughs> you get grandma to just, grandma was like a ninja with those chopsticks, man. She'd be eating, and then after take a bite, back to eating. And, and she didn't even look up to see, right? You know, just like she had eyes on the top of her head, she'd be eating. Male, American male, uh, you know, certain demographics, certain upbringing, certain, certain econ- economic uh, life, you know, all that stuff. You know, basically, you know, growing up pretty much, you know, have what we need to survive. All that stuff. All of that stuff plays into how I would look at scripture and read that. And especially if we're in a Western culture, when we read these passages of scripture, how we think that it actually has to do with me and not realizing that when you brought up in a collectivist culture they read these passages of scriptures and they think that it has to do with somebody else it's amazing how you get all this stuff and that's what we need we, a lot of it is that where the, the scriptures are actually pretty clear as to what it is that he's trying to communicate our problem is is that we get this distorted view of this passage of scripture because all the stuff that we carry you know, it, it could be a scripture that's directed towards women 
and men will read that differently than women will read that. And then we have this huge brawl that takes place because of that. And it's not that it's, it's unclear in the scriptures, it's because we all have our own disposition, our own biases, our own prejudice. Just there. We can see stuff. You can see stuff like that. The revelation is there. The revelation is there. Hey, Jack, can you turn it on? This is a little sensitive topic. The idea, I really want to make sure I take this home. The idea is, here, here's the issue. So uh, back at my old church in, in Hawaii, we were having this discussion with a lot of the teens, right? And it was really interesting that there was this, this really opinionated guy who's from Pennsylvania. Okay, really opinionated guy. And then he was a guy who was very opinionated, but he was from Brunei. Do you guys, are you familiar with that country in Brunei? It's kind of by the Philippines. Uh, but Brunei is a country that's essentially run by a sultan. So the sultan is in control, and what the sultan says is the way it goes. So we're having the, the typical theological debate in Southern Baptist churches as to Calvinism. So we're talking about Calvinism, we're talking about choice, free will, all of that kind of stuff. And it was really funny how when we talked about the, the sovereignty of God and how you know the, 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 the Calvinism versus Arminianism and all this stuff when it comes to choice, free will, the debate, all that stuff, that the, one, the guy from, from Pennsylvania is talking about, no, no, you know, we got free will, we got this, this is the choices that we made, all this stuff, and, you know, I just, I just have a problem that I can't make a decision for myself, and, you know, this, that, that just, it, and that responsibility is on me. It's not on God, it's on me. And, you know, and if God's in control, then I'm just some kind of robot, and, you know, blah, blah, and all this stuff, and that's what his thing was. And the funniest thing was the guy from Brunei who is brought up in a country that's run by a sultan, he was just like, huh, yeah, I ain't got a problem with that. Isn't that funny? I ain't got a problem with that. So God just does this. God has this all ordered. I just do what it is that God has ordained and foreordained for me. Yeah. Okay. Where are we going to go eat tonight? Had no issues. But this guy was just, and it was just really funny how you see kind of how culture and all that stuff causes us to be affected and how we understand scripture, how we understand theology is all affected by the culture. So there's a lot that we've got to get through. And that's why I say what's important when it comes to God teaching us is God helping us get through this stuff so we can truly see the clarity of what it is that he's trying to communicate to us. Because the Lord is the great teacher. James Boyd he writes, this verse speaks of matriculating or, uh, uh, I don't know, what, what, uh, enrolling, uh, signing up, maybe is a better way of saying matriculating. This verse speaks of matriculating or to be enrolled in God's school. Wouldn't that be awesome to be enrolled in God's school? Charles Spurgeon, he writes, what condescension it is on our great Jehovah's part that he comes down to teach those who seek him. The lesson desired is thoroughly practical. The holy man did not, uh, did not just want to learn the statutes, but also the way of them, the daily use of them, their meaning, spirit, direction, habit, and objective. We want to learn. We want to learn, and we want to learn by the divine teacher, by our God. And the wonder of the second part, so you see here, teach us, your laws, teach us your word, and I will keep them to the end. That's what he said. Now, this 
Hebrew phrase, and there's nothing wrong with that translation. I, I'm always hesitant when I say stuff like this, um, but there's nothing wrong with that translation. I will keep them to the end, but I want, us, I want us to have another understanding when it comes to that. It's not a different understanding. I want you to add to, and I will keep them to the end, because there's a reason why he's saying, teach me these things, and I will keep them. The idea of the keep, um, the idea of it is uh, the idea of a reward, Right? So if you're given a reward or you're given money or you got gold or something precious, you want to keep them by kind of protecting them. That's why you buy safes and all that stuff because you want to protect these things. So that idea comes with this idea of reward. So it would kind of be like this, it, it, keeping it to the end because the idea is like this. Maybe, maybe, just, just bear with me here as I try to explain this. It's, it's like learning God's word uh, from God who taught us and keeping God's word by God um, who is, is, has taught us this and given us the divine inspiration, it's like it's their own rewards. It's the own reward. Now, I'm going to give you another example. This is going to be kind of in the negative, so negative, but then flip it and make it positive. Remember like when we were growing up and it was like, you know, dad makes you go out and mow the lawn. You know, and I was like, man, I got to mow the lawn today. I got a date with my girlfriend. I'm, instead of being there, I got to mow the lawn, you know. And, you know, I got stuff I got to do, and I just got to mow the lawn. And then it's like the whole time you're mowing the lawn, it's just like, you know, what kind of reward do I get for this? All this work that I'm doing, I mean, what do I get out of this? What's my reward? And I remember once telling my dad, like, I, I mow the lawn, all this stuff. What's my reward? And my dad used to say this, and it used to drive me nuts. He said, Shane, the sense of contributing to the family, the sense of a hard day's work and a hard day's labor, just the sense of being out there and contributing to the, just the, the maintenance of the household, those things are its own reward. You know what? You, know, it's just, you guys have a dad said he used to say that he used to drive me nuts, man. It's like all this stuff that I'm doing, it's its own sort. It's kind of that idea in the positive, though. Teaching me your word, having me learn it, all that stuff that you give me, I'm holding on to it. Do you know why I'm holding on to it? Not because of what I'm going to get from it, but because it's just its own reward. That's why this, this passage is so beautiful. Teach me your words, and I'm going to hold on to it to the end as if it is its own reward. We've got to see that. That's one of the things that we've got to get in our culture today. Let me just keep, let me move on here. If we learn to keep God's word as Christians, we will begin well. If we learn to keep God's word, then we will finish well. Don't give up on God's word today. Don't lose faith in the word of God today. This is one of the things in our culture right now that we are faced with. It is difficult. It is hard. It's something that I have been preaching about for years and years and years now. One of the things, and I told you, I think I told you last week, one of the things that had become very, very apparent when it came to this last year of doing all this outreach that I've been doing on social media, all the reaching out, all the evangelism that I have been doing, I cannot express to you just how valuable the word of God is. Man, you gotta know it. 
in our culture today, you gotta know it. You gotta know it. And know this because when we're challenged and, and the, the world is constantly challenging us. When we talk about the existence of God, what does the world always say? The first thing that they say, well, how do you know God exists? You know, well, what, there's going to be hell and there's going to be judgment. There's going to be all this. Well, you know, but that comes from the Bible. And how do we know that the Bible is the word of God? And we're constantly challenged, constantly challenged with this. And, and family, I constantly see other Christians on social media uh, this is okay. Uh, see, other Christians on social media that can't answer these questions, and they die because it's just like, well, you know, the reason why I know that God exists is because, you know, I had a dream, and, and, you know, and then he made himself real to me. And that's, that's the best we got? No, that is not the best we got. God never told us that. God never told us that that was supposed to be our excuse. That was supposed to be. The, the reality is, is that in, in a lot of ways, we're not supposed to be proving to the world that God exists. Do you know why? Because the Bible says that everybody knows already, and he made sure that everybody knows, so much so that there is no excuse. So we follow what the Bible has to say, and the Bible makes it very clear. But the Bible is the thing that we stand on. And they attack the Bible. And they have attacked the Bible for centuries now. And every single time there's wars when it comes to the word of God and all these intellectual, all these smart people come and they all attack the word of God when the dust settles. Guess what's still standing? The word of God. Can't do it. People have been trying for centuries to undercut the Bible, and they have not been able to do it. They are not successful. Everything that you're hearing, even coming from churches today, everything that you're hearing is the same stuff they've been saying about the Bible years ago, and it was already answered. Oh, but there's all these contradictions in the Bible. There's no contradictions in the Bible. There is none. Well, Shane, how, are, how do you know? Because none of this stuff is new. It's all been explained. All you got to do is go to Google and say, hey, is there a contradiction here? And you'll see 100,000 things pop up that said there's no contradiction. There's none. Well, how do we know this? How do we know that? We know all this stuff. The Bible is what we have. The Bible is the solid foundation that we stand on. That's what I say. It's the solid foundation that we stand on. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. But what did Christ say about his word? That... The man who listens and hears the words and puts it is like a man who builds his house on solid foundations. We got to build on the scriptures. We can't lose sight of it. We cannot let go of it. Do not let the world tell you that it is not the word of God. We can sit down and in, within two minutes, I can show you just how, just absolutely indisputable it is that the Bible is the word of God. Don't listen to the PhDs on the History Channel. Don't listen to the PhDs on the Discovery Channel. Don't listen to the PhDs on PBS are the, 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 the popular authors in the New York Times bestsellers and all they don't listen to none of this stuff. It is all lies. It's all deception coming from people whose hearts are hardened because they've rejected God. Why are we wanting to listen to them? Don't. Just don't do it, okay? Don't do it. Just trust it. Okay, point number two. Give me understanding. Help me to understand. We not only need to be taught, we also need the power to learn. We not only need to understand, by, uh, understand, but we also need to obtain an understanding by the grace of God. 
In a way, it's like saying we need the Lord to give us the ability and the understanding to learn and to apply what we have learned to everyday life. Now, it doesn't help the world. It doesn't help the kingdom of God. It doesn't help the church for Christians to know the Bible but not do what it says. Right? Doesn't help anything. Doesn't help anybody. And not only this, but we are to observe it with our whole heart. So he wants to, God, give me understanding. And I want to observe it. And I want to maintain it. I want to hold on to it. And I want to do it with all of my heart. Now, here's what's interesting. The Hebrew uh, there, lev, is best translated heart. Heart is a great translation for the Hebrew word. But here it's understood as heart, as conscience. In other words, mind. I will hold on to it with all of my mind. Understood as mind. Philippians 2.5. Philippians 2.5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We always, 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 always have to fight the battle, and it always begins in the mind. Majority of the battles we face as Christians begin and end in the mind. This is why memorizing scripture will help you. This is what I've learned from a very young age. Memorize scripture because the battle always starts with the mind. Starts here, okay? Um, If you can win the battle in the mind, you will win the battle as a Christian. Lose the battle of the mind and we will lose everywhere else. Uh, John Stott, he writes this. Anti-intellectualism is part of the fashion of the world and therefore a form of worldliness. Has God created us to be rational beings? And shall we deny our humanity, which he has given us? Has God spoken to us, and shall we not listen to his word? Has God renewed our minds through Christ, and shall we not think with it? Because one of those things that is clear, and you see throughout all of world history, is that one of the things that's really important for people who want to have control over people You know what one of the important things that they got to do? If they want to have control over people, that's one very, very important thing that they got to do. Essentially is the dumber they are, the easier they are to control. The dumber you are, the easier it is for us to control. This is why our culture continues to cultivate the non-educated. Come on. How long has this been going on? Did you know that my... um, a family member, a very close family member in Hawaii. Uh, let's see, this would have been maybe 1960, no, 1970, maybe in 1970. He graduated from high school in Hawaii. Graduated from high school in Hawaii in the 1970s. And he got his degree, walked, got his diploma, graduated from high school, and could not read. We're not talking about just now. Now this is common. Now this is common for a lot of people to graduate high school and not be able to read, not be able to uh, do math, not to be able to have any sort of critical thinking at all, all this stuff. Uh, That's kind of common today. But in the 1970s, there were people that were graduating from high school and they are not able to read. How in the world did you graduate from high school and not be able to read? How is that possible? 
How is the government allowing that to happen? Look at what's happening today. It's even worse today. But this has been going on for years now. The dumbing down of society. The dumbing down. And they talk about, well, we want to have all this equality and all of this kind of stuff. But when it comes to the education, it's going like this. There's not any equality in that. Not any challenge, not any this, not any pushing, all that stuff. The dumbing down of society allows those who want to have control to have control. The rich, and I know this, I talked to, I remember interviewing a CEO about this in our cultural anthropology class. Um, the rich people, they believe uh, that you have to have ignorant people. Because if everybody, this is what he would say, what if every single person in the world graduated with a bachelor's degree or a master's degree and everybody had a master's degree? He goes, I, I own a hotel. Who's going to take out the trash? Who's going to clean the hotel rooms? Who's going to wash the, the sheets? Who's going to wash the linens? Who's going to do all that? And he was just like being honest. We have to have uneducated people. We have to have the ignorant because they're the only ones that's going to be able to do those jobs. <laughs> so when he said that, it was just kind of like, wow, is this, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this. That's okay, Jack, just leave it on. Just leave it on. I, I, I've been dealing with hostility for a year now on social media. Any more of this stuff is not going to. But you see my point. Is this part of a larger trend or has this been the plan from the beginning? Wow. So the, 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 so the ignorance is pressed and ignorance is embraced. That's why we don't see a lot of the changes. That's why we don't see any of these types of things. Oh, because this is coming from a larger, a larger ideology that's up there. But now, here's just a quick side note. But now, it's the uneducated who don't want to do their jobs because now they don't have to. Talk about your all-time backfire. Because you know what the reality is? Because the reality is, is the problem in culture today has nothing to do with education. Did you know that? The problem that we are faced has nothing to do with education. We like to say that it is, but it has nothing to do with education. The problem we have today is not the uneducated it's not the educated, it's called sin. That is the problem that we have today. So the ignorant people who want to be independent in their sins are not easier to control, they're even worse. You can't control sin. You can't control those things. We've been trying to dumb down the generations for years now, but things are more out of control than ever before because it is a battle in the mind, but it's not necessarily ignorance. It is a mind that's not directed by the word of God. How do, I, how, how do, you, how do you know this, Shane? How can you prove this? Because I know educated people who have PhDs that are some of the most immoral people I've ever met. So education doesn't change that. And here's the other thing. I know uneducated people who are the most moral, God-fearing people I have ever met. 
The battle of the mind is not for worldly wisdom and knowledge, but it's for the very word of God. That's why we can't be ignorant of the scriptures. Point number three, he says, make me. Make us walk in your ways. Lord, you have caused me to love your way. Now cause us to walk in your way. And when I walk in your way, happy am I. And it is by the grace of God that we do this. Philippians chapter two, verse 13. Philippians two thirteen. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Jeremiah, 616. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. It's amazing when you look at the scripture, how it promises all this. Hey, follow my path, follow my word, and life is going to be great. And our sinful response is, nah, that's okay. I'm going to go down this road instead. I'm going to take that road instead. Psalm chapter 37, verse 23. Psalm 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I love that. You know, you know a lot of times when we're, we're praying, I always have to check myself. This is the scripture that I use. I always have to check myself. Because sometimes, you know, it feels like some of these things when we're praying, it's just like, God, I know this sounds so petty. I know this is just so insignificant. I know you probably don't need to be bothered with small insignificant things. No. The Lord directs the steps of the godly and he delights in every detail of their lives. There's not going to be anything petty that the Lord is not going to want to help us with in delight in helping us with. One commentator, he put it this way. We pray and the Lord grants us the courage and now we need him to give us the strength. So this is, this is why this is important. Because a lot of times, family, we know we just can't. Right? I mean, we know this. Some of us who have gotten older over the years, that's one thing I'm finding out, is like, I know, but I can't. You know, like we went to, went to Hawaii. I know how to surf, but I can't anymore. <laughs> Right? It's just like, hey, man, I used to, I used to do really well with, with, uh, with tennis. I know how to play tennis. I just can't. We just don't have the strength anymore. We just don't have it. So much of what the Lord requires of us on the straight and narrow path is way too much for us. We need the strength of the Lord to bring us through and to cause us to walk. We need the power of God to do what it is that he desires I mean, seriously, think about this. When the Bible commands us to love our enemies, you think that comes natural to us? Seriously. Like, hey, love your enemies. Oh, yeah, that's okay. I forgot about that passage of scripture. Love. No, we don't do that. God asks us to do the impossible, like loving our enemies, because he requires us to depend on him to make the possible, the impossible possible. Seriously, we can't do it without the Holy Spirit working in us. See, this is why, this is why Michael Horton, he does this great illustration I love. Michael Horton talks about the law. The law of God tells us that, let's just say, uh, there's a, we're, we're on an island, we gotta get to that island. The law of God tells us if you want to be saved, 
and you want to be rescued, you need to get to that island. And we're sitting here going, okay, I know I got to get to that island. How in the world am I going to do that? This is how the law and gospel works. The law tells us we need to get to the island. But the gospel is the boat that we get into to get there. He makes a way for us to be able to get there. See, we know we got to get there, but how are we going to get there? That's where the gospel comes in. The law tells us where. The gospel is the power that gets us there. The law tells us where. The gospel is the power that gets us there. We need power to be able to do this. Let's not lie to ourselves. We need power. That's why it's not just enough for us to say, Lord, teach us. Help us to know. Okay, I know. I understand now. But how am I going to do this? You command so much of me, Lord, there is no way I'm going to be able to do this. There's no way I'm going to be able to carry this load. There's no way I'm going to be able to handle this pressure. There's no way I'm going to do this. So the psalmist is showing us that it's not enough for us to know by the grace of God, but we also have to do by the grace of God. By the grace and mercy of God, we learn, we understand, and we walk. He will cause us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There's, just, there's not a point in Christianity where we're independent. Just not. Every aspect of it, we have to depend on God. Every breath we take, every move we make, we have to depend on God. We have to rest in Him. It has to be. And God forbid there's ever a time in our lives where we actually succeed in doing the impossible without him. Because then no glory goes to him and all glory goes to our Lord. It's amazing how this works. It's amazing how it looks. And this is why you see the psalmist crying out to the Lord, making it abundantly clear just how important his word is and just how important his power is in our lives. But Shane, I'm just not strong, dude. You don't understand, man. I'm wore out. I'm, I'm just tired, just a lot, you know, all this stuff. I, I just, I can't do this. I can't do this. No, no, no. This is where you need to be. No, Shane, I, I, I got to be strong. I got to be strong, Christian. You know, and I, can't, I can't be a weak Christian. You know, I got to be strong. No, the reason why these things are happening and we find that we're weak all the time is that's where we need to be. Because it's God's power is made perfect through weakness. God's power is made perfect through weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. Oh man. We can be strong in the Lord when we're weak. And we need his power when we're powerless.
but we need his power. Because, yeah, I'm serious. You guys are like, hey, Shane, man, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I know we're ready to go. We know what we got to do, but there's no way we're going to accomplish it without the power of God working within us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us in our lives. We need it. We're not going to be able to do it if we don't. And that is the law of God that shows us. You want an example of this? The law of God shows us we need the Lord to teach us, to give us understanding, to cause us to walk in his way. And the law of God tells us that we also need him to save us. (laughs) Because the law showed us that we needed to be safe. We can't do this on our own. Want an example of something we know we got to do, but we can't do it? We know that we have to hold the law perfectly. Can we do it? So how am I going to do this? How can I ever be saved when the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? All we have to do is think about all the times we've transgressed the Ten Commandments. The times we didn't love God. The times we committed idolatry. The times we looked, uh, we took the name of the Lord God in vain. Times we didn't keep the Sabbath. The times we didn't honor father and mother. The times we lied. Times we stole. Times we killed. Times of adultery. Times of coveting. All of that stuff. Think about all those times that we've done that. Well, Shane, I, I get it. I get that. You know, but... You know, I'm not like those people that transgress the law like every day. I, I only transgress the law. I, I mean, I may have failed like one time. I may have dishonored my parents one time. James chapter 2 verse 10. James chapter 2 verse 10. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who's broken all the laws. The Bible says there's no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one on earth who always does good and never sins. We are all by nature children of wrath. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And if we say we do not sin, then we make God out to be a liar. The consequences are dire. The eternal fire, the eternal darkness, outer darkness, the wrath of God, the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell, my friend, if this is the case, then who can be saved? With man, this is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus came into this world to seek and to save sinners. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And family, the promises continue that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing, you will have life in his name. And it doesn't end here. He will, by his grace, teach us. He will give us understanding, and he will cause us to walk in his paths. He will bring our good beginning to a good end. And I'm confident of this, not because I'm confident in your abilities or your wisdom, 
but because of his efforts, because of his abilities, and because of his wisdom, I'm confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion in the day of the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.